What is good, guys and gals, and welcome to the Films and Pixels podcast, episode 9. I'm your host, Hafif, and I've got some pretty interesting collection of topics for today. First off, I'm going to be talking about the possibility of Microsoft's Game Pass coming to Steam OS. At least Valve is hoping so, and they like it. I'll be explaining why. Uh, speaking of Valve, I'll be talking about also why I don't think, in my opinion, their new Steam Deck handheld gaming console system uh, won't exactly compete well against the Nintendo Switch's massive popularity. Plus, um, more news regarding Samsung, this time on uh, some transition regarding the Galaxy Note brand. Casting update on Futurama coming to Hulu, and another familiar edition finally coming back after some time negotiating. And now all of a sudden there seems to be another burglary incident regarding of another familiar Netflix show. I'll be going through that and explaining all the details, but before I go any further, please make sure if you haven't before, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like and follow the social media pages, comment and type any comments in the comment section below. Any kind of engagement is always good for the channel. If you haven't done so, please do so. Thank you so much for all the support and love. It really does mean a lot to me. So without further ado, let's get going for episode 9. Alright, first off, um, got some pretty interesting information with, you know, Steam Deck being uh, recently distributed, recently now being out for audiences, for the gaming consumers to finally purchase. Um, I do have some uh, information regarding Valve's and Microsoft relationship. Now speaking to Gabe Newell, who everyone knows is like the CEO, kind of like the face of the organization, in, in an interview with PC Gamer magazine, or excuse me, just PC Gamer, uh, when asked if he's hap- if there's going to be like something similar to the Game Pass subscription service that Microsoft has regarding their gaming on Xbox and Windows, he said, he simply said no, they're not going to create one of their own, but he did also say, I don't think it's something that we think we need to do ourselves, building a subscription service at this time. But uh, for their customers, it's clearly a popular option, and we'd be more than happy to work with them to get that on Steam. We've talked to people there quite a bit about that topic. Newell said, if your customers want it, then you should figure out how to make it happen. That's where we're at. Okay, and like, um, yeah, and I can see that. I mean, I really do hope so, especially since Microsoft in recent years more than willing to publish and distribute a lot of their um, exclusive IPs to the Steam OS service. Obviously, the Forza, Halo, even like some, uh, yeah, Gears, also like Battletoads, something called Quantum Break, Killer Instinct fighting game, Age of Civilization. So just some IPs that they own. Also like Psychonauts 2 from the studio that they purchased Double Fine. I think in 2018 when Microsoft, even at that time, were doing acquisition spree as well. Keep in mind that in Valve, they already have something like this as well with the EA Play subscription service. So it's... The same idea, but like with EA Games IPs, whether it's like the Mass Effect or Dragon Age or Crisis, Battlefield and so forth, Titanfall as well. 
that's on the service. Keep in mind that um, there isn't the Ubisoft Plus subscription service, but I think it's a great idea. And a lot of that obviously comes down to how much percentage each side makes in the negotiations in terms of revenue. Obviously, Microsoft continues to gain a lot of revenue for their Game Pass on their Xbox One, Xbox Series, Windows 10 platforms. And you know what? It's really um, an amazing killer feature when you think about it. I mean, just by purchasing, just by paying at least $15, you get a rotating list of like hundreds and hundreds of games a month or so. Just like think about it, even new or older games. I think this is part of the reason why we've seen them with the Bethesda plus uh, yeah, Bethesda plus Activision acquisitions in recent years plus in recent months as well and you know what with the way things have been going for them i wouldn't be shocked if they're not done but i mean at least for now i because everyone knows there have been concerns about microsoft creating a monopoly and you know what if the ftc has to investigate if it's legal or what so and so forth i mean if you remember i talked about how they did that and then sony had their own bungee acquisition as well but i really do think it's a great idea because like hey you know if you already have your games on steam i mean keep in mind it was like november december 2021 i mean games like uh forza horizon 5 and halo infinite both single player and the free to play multiplayer are on steam so i think this is a great idea going forth and how this will maybe affect or how could it work on the Steam Deck? I'll talk a little bit more about Steam Deck in a moment. But um, at the moment, uh, Game Pass won't exactly be a huge factor on Steam Deck. But in my opinion, I really do think it's a great idea. And although I don't play a lot of games on Steam or even much of a PC gamer, I do think it's a great idea to integrate the Xbox brand more into other Windows gaming platforms. Alright, so I'm going to be staying on the topic of Valve and Steam Deck. Now, they have a lot of reasons to celebrate the release of their new handheld gaming system, despite some quirks that still need some improvement. Um, although there's a, there's a lot to look forward to and really a landscape with mobile gaming on iOS and Android dominating a lot of the consumer market when it comes to people playing even just casually playing video games on mobiles and tablets as well in this situation. So it's good to see something like Steam Deck available. And actually, even today, it's like um, it's actually the five-year anniversary of the, of the Nintendo Switch. So this is really the perfect time to talk about both. I do think for now, the popularity of the deck competing well against the Switch is going to be difficult. Now, some of the, I guess some of the good parts of the deck, as far as I know, right now there is, it does run Linux-based uh, software, and it's hard inside the hardware. I do like how there's the, as expected, the bumper and trigger buttons, the ABXY face buttons, of course, the dual analog D-pad. What's also interesting, as I noticed from pictures and videos, there's like these two trackpads on both sides left and right side kind of like what we've already what we've seen in laptops so i think it's also like another way of 
maybe navigating or camera movement or however it may be. So it's not, it's like, it doesn't just rely on the Steam OS that Valve has. Like, I think other softwares like the Epic Game Store can be installed as well. So at the moment, there is like a list of compatible Steam library games, not all of them that are approved to work on the Steam Deck, but there's a good list. And I think when you go through the library, there's supposed to be some sort of symbol or indicator just letting you know that yes it can or cannot work but while it's a great idea it's cool to have like something of a pc handheld and you're on the go i'm not sure it'll always replace the popularity and power of gaming laptops or gaming pcs people have and you know buying and replacing graphic cards and and so forth there is a lot of potential but i mean with the switch obviously being cheaper between 300 to 330 dollars and also being a bit more convenient you know the kind of like the joy or sorry no pun intended on that part i meant like the use of the joy cons the motion sensing also um you know carrying it on the go wherever you want to be outside your house the kickstand now the kickstand on the lcd model it worked but always flimsy and weak, you know, almost like it could be breakable, which is why I'm very happy seeing the OLED model. Also fixing, by the way, the the black bezels on the screens. So two, so two concerns with the Switch OLED, I'm happy Nintendo solved and fixed. So, and it has an amazing library, exclusive or not as well. But I mean, I think it'll take some time. There is still a lot to like of the Steam Deck, but... Um, it won't reach popularity yet, especially being expensive. It does have uh, SSD inside it, so the loading is going to be so much better. At least one of the models has HDD uh, SSD. I think one of them, I don't have the price list, but I mean, I remember Gabe Newell speaking to IGN, like, you know, landing the appropriate price point was very difficult. At one point, I think one of them, was like $512. So, I mean, it's a lot to pay for, but you're getting a lot still at the same time. One of the issues, at least according to journalists, it seems to have right now, it can't run the Windows OS software. And speaking of software, the software inside the deck is not entirely stable. It's a bit buggy, but it, I think it's going to improve over time with patches and so forth. The battery tends to run out quickly. Like, just when you think... Eight hours, I mean, eight hours of battery time is like it's not enough for a 40 watt ba uh, battery charge. And some some people are, at least according to their units that they've got, is like almost done by two hours, even at a 50% brightness. So there's clearly some work to be done for improvements. But I think going forward, it could be a good option, but it's not, I don't think it's meant to replace the laptop uh, or computers that most pc gamers use for steam gaming and so forth but and plus as far as i'm aware it can be connected to your laptop so that's a pretty good thing but yeah um i don't want to just um i don't want to write it off as something that's not good enough i mean there's a lot to like with the steam deck but um the more games that work, the more that's being released, 
So yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like, but will it overthrow the Nintendo Switch as the more popular handheld option? Definitely not. Definitely not. For some, especially since there, it's already ahead of, by five years when you think about it. But yeah, I mean, three hundred to thirty, three hundred thirty dollars. That's a more of an amazing viable option. Okay, Samsung. Samsung is in the news once more. Now this time they've made the decision to officially retire the Galaxy Note brand. But that means they're going to transition more into the Galaxy Ultra S brand. I think um, I think it's more just a trans... I think it's... Uh, sorry, I'm, even I'm a little confused on the subject. But I don't fully understand or know why based on the articles I was finding and reading. But I think it's just so that they communicate well and I think translate well for their new audiences. I mean, especially when considering the their massive 5.3 inch screens. I think with the new release of the Ultra S22, Galaxy 22 Ultra S uh, phone. Sorry, I don't think I have the correct model name, but um, I, plus they're gonna still keep the S Pen, but you know the galaxy note has been innovative for many years also being like kind of a handy way of not just drawing but obviously keeping notes and organization organizing everything sort of like a notebook as well so i think it's more of an evolution in my opinion i think going from the note to something like ultra s is more of an evolution of their brand of you know being more of a co-working device and kind of like task management does that make sense sort of way i think this is what's happening as for like regular galaxy phones or anything like galaxy a galaxy m i don't think they've been shifted or shoved aside but um i do think this is an interesting change i didn't think the note brand would be gone or sort of retired or given up but I mean, since they're clearly trying to move towards something newer and better with improved hardware and better technology, I think this could work in their favor going forward. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what this will do for them. And no doubt in my mind, as long as they have like Android 12 or even whenever there's Android 13, help them succeed in the market and achieve more sales going forward globally worldwide. It's official, guys and gals. He is back. Yeah, he's officially back. Finally, after some negotiating, after some time with the casting process, John DiMaggio will finally be back as Bender for the Futurama, Futurama revival on Hulu. Thank goodness. He did say on a statement through Twitter that he is coming back. That's good news. Now the series original director, Matt Groening, who everyone knows from obviously The Simpsons and Netflix's The Disenchantment will come back to work on season eight of Futurama. And I'm very excited about that. As someone who really liked watching all seven seasons, I'm really glad about this. The show did air uh, 140 episodes. So that's a very important milestone in the landscape today where a lot of TV shows might quickly get canceled either on cable or streaming. And it is a very crowded and competitive platform. So this is actually good news as well since Matt Groening's other show, Disenchantment, 
still currently on Netflix, and the fact that Hulu will help distribute uh, the Futurama revival is very good. Speaking of cast members, uh, regulars are also returning, including Billy West, Katie Segal, Tress McAneil, Maurice LaMarche, Lauren Tom, Phil Lamar, and David Herman. So it's good to see that they're coming back. Now, it's not coming back now uh, in terms of um, premiering, not anytime soon. Hulu did announce that production will begin soon, but release day will be like in 2023. So, unfortunately, we're a year away from Futurama f- officially coming back. When you look back, I mean, it's weird how like, what, twice or even thrice it got canceled? I mean, the first five seasons originally were on Fox... It got canceled, and then Comedy Central did air the last two seasons, but I think they were maybe for 30 minutes. I think maybe, I don't know if it's because of the budget or just scheduling, but it's just, I mean, it's fine at the end of the day. I mean, the more Futurama, the better, so that's good news. I mean, I I mean, I mean, certainly, am, I mean, I loved watching them all. I didn't see it at that time, but years later, maybe... Five or six years ago, just catching up Futurama was great. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And, um, you know, will it be a success? Will it finally be successful once more and encourage even a season nine on Hulu, season 10? If there's, if the whole plot line of the storyline will properly close, well, I do hope so, actually. I mean, it does, first of all, it does remain to be seen, obviously. And secondly, I think when when there's more of a proper closure for the characters that we've invested in, like Fry and Bender and Layla, I think I forgot the name of the one-eyed Cyclops, Layla, and all that. So it's going to be good to see. And, um, and yeah, like I said before, definitely excited for all that to come into fruition. Okay, we now have a serious situation going on regarding a couple of Netflix shows that have seen burglaries and robberies regarding their items on their set. Just recently, there was a report on uh, Lupin, a Netflix show taking place in Paris, had been attacked and robbed of items roughly $300,000 items worth, actually more like $330,000 of their items being robbed and stolen. Similar incident happened on another Netflix show, which I will get into in just a moment. But I mean, it's wow, it's just crazy. I mean, a lot of while no one was attacked or hurt, according to the notes I've got, um, you know, thieves were wearing masks, not COVID face masks, but they saw items. No one from the crew or cast was hurt. So thank God for that. Um, also, while the stolen items, it's not going to affect production, but they do intend on recovering them, so that's at least good news. They, the thieves on the set of Lupin, did focus on equipment, um, and also someone, uh, set director, told the Gazette that following the incident, the stolen items are not necessarily in the best condition and therefore of limited value for resale. Uh, however, they are valuable pieces to the UK film industry all right so inter- this isn't the first time actually that uh, something like this uh, wait in terms of the lupin uh, 
robbery situation perpetrators took a more aggressive route. Now, thir- 20 thieves arrived on the set of the show. They were throwing motor fireworks as a distraction. And, um, yes, yeah, stole, stole equipment worth of $330,000 from the set surrounding production trucks. But, yeah, like I said before, cast and crew were safe, no injuries. So, that's good news. And since then, production has restarted. In terms of the other Netflix show, a similar incident actually happened for The Crown. Uh, you know, in terms of The Crown, I mean, some broke in while, you know, many members of the crew were away. Um, and let's see, according to notes, this happened like at least during production of the fifth season of The Crown while um, items worth $200,000 or uh, 150,000 uh, pounds were stolen. Now, it seems like three vehicles were broken into and ransacked in Mexboro. Um, <clears throat> the, the trucks are parked in a lorry park and uh, not too far from where the production was. And what's even crazy is that 350 items were stolen uh, from the crown set, from the set of the crown is, is what I meant to say. Though, so that's exactly crazy. Uh, stolen items from that set also included like hundreds of antique props like replica Fabergé egg, the clock face of a grandfather clock, a dressing table, crystal glassware, silver and gold uh, candelabras, uh, decanters, domed birdcage were also taken. At least for at least since then, uh, South Yorkshire police have been on the case investigating the whole situation but thankfully even since then uh the you know production for the crown season five has not been halted and but no doubt that netflix intends to recover the item so that's a good news netflix had an official statement saying that we can confirm the antiques have been stolen and we hope that they are found and returned safely replacements will be sourced there is no expectation that filming will be held up uh, the Crown set director, Alison Harvey, also spoke to the Gazette on the matter, saying, The items stolen are not necessary in the best condition and therefore of limited value for resale. However, they are valuable pieces to the UK film industry. So it's just kind of, I mean, it's just kind of fucking crazy and shocking that two major Netflix shows, um, you know, one filming in the UK, another one in France, have seen similar burglaries and robberies regarding valuable items that are worth at least 200,000 300,000 plus dollars so i mean it like i said it's just fucking insane i don't i don't even know what the point is like okay you're desperate for money or you're just trying to reap the profits off the valuable items from popular netflix tv shows i get it but i mean like really like you think you're not going to get caught? Do these people think they're not going to get caught when Netflix has the resources and the money to hire investigators and, you know, um, pay the police and ask for all kinds of assistance for the stolen items? They're really worth a lot of money and there's no way there's enough budget to simply replace them on top of the production work they have to do while filming with the cast and crew. So come on now. Come on, guys. Really? Come on. It's insane. 
and for what at the end of the day like what what were they trying to accomplish by robbing two of netflix popular shows i what what more can i say other than it's just an atrocity and a, and an embarrassment and an abomination that kind of crime will not be will not be damn it i don't even have the proper words what I'm trying to say is that they won't get away that easily. As simple as that. Alright guys and gals, that wraps it up for episode 9 of the Films of Pixels podcast. If you have made it to the end of this video, if you've listened and seen it all from the beginning and end to the video, I just want to say thank you so much for the time you've made from your busy schedule during the weekday or during the weekend to watch and listen to this episode. Once again, if you haven't before, please type any comments in the comment section below. Like and follow all the social media pages in the description section that you will find. And if you haven't done so before, please subscribe to the YouTube channel to be notified for more episodes, more content, and so forth in the upcoming days, upcoming weeks. And again, thank you so much. It really does help an independent channel like this. And really, like the more views, more word of mouth, the better. So... Really, I really do appreciate it. You really do a huge favor for me. It means a lot if you can help me build this channel up. It really does mean a lot. So again, thank you so much. And until next time, I'll see you for episode 10. Hopefully it'll be a good one.